Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we're taking a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my friend who always wants to be a contender, Palmer. How are you today? Well, it's funny you should ask. Oh, tell me. Because on my way here, as I was walking that ribbon of highway, Mm -hmm. I saw above me the endless skyway, and I saw below me the Golden Valley, and I thought, you know what? This land is made for you and me. And then Carl Weathers came up to me. He was mad as hell, and he wasn't going to take it anymore. And he challenged me to a fight. We beat each other pretty badly, and all the king's horses and all the president's men couldn't put us back together again. Taxi driver. <laughs> that was beautiful. I thought so. I think I'm going to make you. I'm going to force you to write a poem about the movies <laughs> every week. Now that was beautiful. All the king's. All the king's horse and all the president's men. Right. That, that was my favorite bit. <laughs> That's genius. How are you? I'm fine. I'm not nearly as good as that poem. <laughs> I'm good. So today's movies, we're taking a look at 1977 Best Picture nominees. The movies are as following. Rocky, All the President's Men, Network, Taxi Driver, and Bound for Glory. Which movie do you think won Best Picture? I'm pretty sure you know. Yeah, Rocky. Rocky won Best Picture in 1977. For all of these movies came out in 1976. Good good call. Good, yes. Excellent. <laughs> I was really waiting for you to say 1977. No, I know what I'm talking about. We've done <laughs> enough episodes at this point where I, I hope I know how Oscar nominations work at this point. Just enough. Well, so, good. so um, Rocky won Best Picture, so yes. we are not going to start with Rocky. We are going to start with All the President's Men. If you'd be so kind, just to open your notebook for All the President's Men. It was directed by Alan J. Palooka, written by William Goldman, based on the book by Woodward and Bernstein, the two main characters of the film. The cast includes Robert Redford, Dustin Hoffman, Jason Robard, and... Many other people, but they were really kind of the big three. Who did you say? Robert Redford, Dustin yep. Hoffman, and Jason Robard. Uh, Jack Warden. Oh, Jack Warden. Yeah, you're right. He's yeah. like in it, but he's like not. But he's the grandfather from Problem Child. That is correct. You are so right. And Jason Robard played the character that of was. Of the grandfather from Little Big League. Yes, that is also correct. <laughs> Good. So many grandfathers. A lot of grandfathers in this movie. So many grandfathers. Uh, this movie won. Uh, a good chunk. It was nominated for a good chunk, too. It won Best Supporting Actor for Jason Robards. Mm-hmm. He played Ben... Riley. No, Ben Bratton? Uh, give me one second, because it's actually in my fun fact. Oh, good. Um, it's the, Is your fun fact that it's the same person that played by Tom Hanks in Bradley. The Post? Bradley. Fun fact played by the same person played by Tom Hanks in The Post? No. Okay, what's your fun fact then? Or are you going to save it? Uh, I'm going to save it because it's long. Right on. Uh, one best adapted screenplay, art direction, which really means production design, yeah. and best sound, which I th- was a good call on this. Nominated yeah, I could for- hear the sound very well. Yeah, couldn't you though? Yeah. Um, nominations include best picture, supporting actress for Jane, uh, Jane Alexander, who was thinking just one scene, I think. 
Um, uh, she's in it for a very small period of time. Exactly. Not as not as small as uh, the person who won. No, that is correct. Right. Is that also one of your fun facts? No, it was going to be, but I I forgot to look up network. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and then director and editing did not win. So all the president's men is about two reporters, Woodward and Bernstein. The true story, Woodward and Bernstein, who are basically the only two reporters at the Wash or. Only, There's more reporters there. I, the only I was going to say two reporters at the Washington Post. But this is the only two reporters in major news cycles doing an investigation about the break in at the Watergate, mm-hmm. and then which eventually leads to the downfall of President Nixon as President of the United States. Yep. Based on a true story, mm-hmm. it's a very well regarded film, um, and I I really enjoy I really enjoy I really like this film. Okay. I'd seen it before. This wasn't like a I had mystery to me. Yeah, you had not seen it before. I had not. Uh, the only the only two movies I've seen out of this cycle were Taxi Driver and Rocky. Um, th- this leaves me wanting something. You should watch the post first, and then watch this. No, feel I'm like not going to do it. Cause I don't sorry, because like the, the post. post is the Pentagon Papers, right? And then you go right into go right into Watergate. Watergate. No, but then I'll be like, what happened to Tom Hanks? He continues to work at the post. <laughs> He might. I, th- I think he's still alive. I don't. He's obviously Tom Hanks, not. Yes, he's still alive. Oh, thank goodness! Yeah, that's what I was worried about. So I don't know. The, I watched this one second after after Network, and th- for one, this is what caused me to to text you about the great light bulb shortage of nineteen seventies. Oh, was this movie? Like, oh, there's was... just so many scenes where, like, I understand the scene with deep throat okay and you want him to be shadowed i understand that mm-hmm. but like they're in the car and half the time like was there no dashboard lights at this time they were not dashboard lights at this time oh no okay <laughs> well they were outside was there no porch lights at this time there were don't even try it <laughs> this movie this movie tends to be in darkness a lot and you could say because it symbolizes them trying to uncover the truth and the truth is shaded yada yada um, I also think it's actually just that's just an aesthetic choice, or I would call it an aesthetic choice of the seventies. A lot of a lot of these movies are are darkly lit. Yeah, a lot of because nobody could go down to Target. No, well, I mean, we've talked about this before. There's like high point lighting, and and there's right. low key lighting, and high key lighting, and three point lighting, and all this different stuff. And this, uh, I would hesitate to call this low key lighting but there is a bu- there is a bunch of that going on the only real time that they're like really lit up i think is when they're in the washington post when they're right. in the newsroom itself yeah. which arguably like you said is symbolic because that's where they're uncovering the light of truth mm-hmm. you know so on and so forth i think i think this is an important film yes which is so, most of these movies this this cycle are okay so i i have a theory about this that i will I will wait until the end because I want to go through all the films yeah. first. But I have a theory as to why Rocky won out of all of these. And I think it – I'll see if you back me up on it. Okay. Apart from Rocky being a good movie. Right. Yeah. Spoiler. Um, spoiler. It's a good movie. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Yeah. So I do like how you kind of see them digging for the story. Like the story is just not – there in front of them mm-hmm. they have to they have to go out and interview witnesses who don't really want to be interviewed and find a way to get them to 
to help out with the story without feeling like they're helping out at first. Mm-hmm. And in that instance, I like it. And I like the fact that it's still kind of shown to prospective journalists. Is it? It is. Um, and I do like the fact that this kind of shows the difference between journalism and whatever is going on on the internet nowadays. Yes, I would agree like, with that. Like, they're vetting their sources. They're double-checking, triple-checking their sources. So there's a lot of comments in this about, you know, their sources aren't named, blah, 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 all right. this. There's a lot of comments about that and how you can't get – how you cannot do that. Yeah. And so I I really like that aspect, but I feel like the movie kind of drags its feet doing it. Even to the point where, like, the end isn't the ultimate end. Like, this is just about them releasing a story that was wrong because they were given false information. Mm-hmm. And then, then them trying to go out and, all right, we're going we're gonna to recorrect it. We're going to correct the story. And we're going to find out the truth behind it. But then the movie ends and kind of just tells you in the, in the epilogue text about everything else that happens. So I wanted a movie that showed me, like, the downfall of Richard Nixon – and I didn't really get it. Mm. I, but I think you can't because it's a true story. You can't pin the down like you can't pin that on one thing. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't watch, say, a movie about the like the the complete the complete rejection of Richard Nixon as president based on two people in a newsroom. You know, you could, but that's not that's not the exactly true story. Well, I mean, there are too many the co- there are too many components attached to it. The second half of the book goes like the second half of the book goes through to Nixon resigning. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, like uh, one of the things was they were having a hard time figuring out how to write the screenplay, and the suggestion came up: "Well, throw away the second half of the book." But I'm like, but that's the part of the book that I want to see. Oh sure. You know, was it not was it not as interesting? Like did stuff just kind of go easier from there because it probably wasn't as interesting or like I said there's other factors at yeah. that point and so when you're trying to zero in and write a smaller story, mm-hmm. you can't include all those bigger factors. Okay. And so you probably could get that movie, but you'd have to include a lot more things besides just yeah. um these two guys cuz the movie is literally Woodward and Bernstein, Robert Redford and and Dustin Hoffman doing research. Yeah, that's the movie. Sometimes it's boring, and sometimes it's sometimes it's Jason Robard being like, "Man, you gotta check your sources, see." And then I don't, I don't think he said that. No, wait, you never know. Um, no, I did. I watched the movie. Oh, uh, I see. I see. That's <laughs> what we do here. So, what did you think of Redford and Hoffman? I liked them. Um, it was nice to see a younger. Uh, Robert Redford and mm-hmm. and Dustin Hoffman can't get over how much Brad Pitt looks like young Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, I mean um, uh, Robert, Robert Redford, Redford. Yeah, in some in some some angles, I'm just like, who am I? Am I watching Redford or is, is Brad Pitt a vampire? Brad Pitt actually a vampire or Benjamin Button? Yeah, it was good. I did like them. That you, they weren't nominated, were they? They were not. No. Okay, I don't think they should have been. No, I think they, they work. They give serviceable performances. I think they work good as a team, but the their performance is not based off of a character arc necessarily. Apart from like 
I'm hungry and I'm a veteran, you know, yeah. like that's, and we've got to learn to work together. But even that's not really the story. Yeah, because they kind of just fall into it. They just kind of fall into it, right. They have that one scene where Redford's like, I don't mind that you took my story and edited it. I just don't like the way that you did it. So if you want to do it, I'll, you know, just ask. And Here's here the it notes. Is. Yeah. Yeah. And so. then he reads it and he's like, oh, you're right. It is better. Exactly. Yeah. And that's it. That's, and that's it. Yeah. That's it. And then they learn to work together and be friends. Yeah. So you have some fun facts? I do. So Frank Willis, the security guard who discovered the break-in at the Watergate complex, plays himself. Oh, that's fun. Uh, additional fun fact that I found out after the woods is he was fired from the Watergate Hotel a couple weeks after the incident and didn't get another job until his one day working on this and never really held a full-time job after again. that. Yep. That's crazy. Such attention to detail, the production design department even made replicas of out-of-date phone books. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That that makes sense for the production design Oscar win then. Robert Redford's first choice for the role of Carl Bernstein was Al Pacino. I can see that, especially with I, Dustin, I ha- especially with Dustin Hoffman's hair in this movie. <laughs> I can see that. And Jason Robards won an Oscar for playing Benjamin Bradley in All the President's Men, making him the 17th actor to win an Academy Award for playing a real person. Hmm. The other 16... I thought you were saying for playing Benjamin Bradley. <laughs> The other 16 is Spencer Tracy playing Father Edward Flanagan in Boys Town. Saw that. Gary Cooper for playing Alvin York in Sergeant York. Mm-hmm. Patty Duke for The Miracle Worker. Mm. Robert De Niro for Raging Bull. Mm. Sissy Spacek for Loretta Lynn in Coal Miner's Daughter. Jeremy Irons for Klaus von Bulow in Reversal of Fortune. Mm. Susan Sarandon for playing Sister Helen Prejean in Dead Man Walking. Jeffrey Rush for Shine, Julia Roberts for Aaron Brockovich, Jim Broadbent for John Bailey, Helen Mirren for Queen Elizabeth, Sandra Bullock for The Girl from the Blind Side, Melissa Leo for The Fighter, Christian Bale for The Fighter, Meryl Streep for Margaret Thatcher, and Eddie Redmayne for Stephen Hawking. And Gary Oldman for and Gary Oldman for Winston Churchill. This was written prior, so that is 18 now. Wow. See, there you go. Yeah. More recent than past, if you notice. Yeah. The majority of that list in the last 10 years, 15 years. 15, 20 years, yeah. Hmm. That's very very interesting. Like I said, I think the film is very good. I think it's very important. I really liked having recently watched The Post and then watched this and be like, it's the same office. They did such a good job on The Post. Just making the exact same office. Yeah. And, I mean, they, they recreated both offices. They tried yep. shooting the movie in the in the Washington Post, but the the background um, reporters were oh. were acting. Oh, were they so really? They were like, screw you guys. We're going to Burbank, and we're building the set from scratch. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. I like that. I mean, they were also probably getting in the way of, you know, the news, but. Nah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. There was nothing going on around that time. No, there was nothing going on in 1976. Absolutely nothing. No. Actually, they would have been filming this. It probably would have been 1975. So, no, it wasn't like Vietnam was ending or anything like that. <laughs> there wasn't any important pieces of news happening. All right, so let's move on to our next movie that still has to do about the news. 
Movie Network, directed by Sidney Lumet, written by Patty Chayefsky. Uh Cast is Faye Dunaway, William Holden, Peter Finch, Robert Duvall, Beatrice Strait, and Ned Betty. Beatty? Beatty. Ned Beatty. Yeah. Beatty. That's what I've always said. Beatty, yeah. Uh, this movie won Best Actor for Peter Finch, Actress, Supporting Actress, Writing for the Screen, nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor for William Holden, Supporting Actor for Ned Beatty, Director, Cinematography, and Editing. Network basically tells the story of this this news anchor that kind of has a breakdown on screen one day. He's having a tough life. His wife had passed away and all the stuff. And they told – was he going to be fired? He was going to be fired. Yep. They gave him his two weeks notice and he was still doing the news. And he was still doing the news. So basically at the end he's like, in two weeks' time – I'm leaving because my ratings are too low and I'm going to shoot myself on TV. Right. And that kind of spirals into Faye Dunaway's character who's controlling the network and how she's going to take that and turn it into a show. He's kind of becoming like a prophet for the people. Yeah. Um, You know, and uh, this movie is supposed to be a satire. And I think it works as a satire. I think it works as a, if you Unfortunately, t- I think it's become a little too real. See, and that's what was crazy to this movie. Like, so I was watching this movie, and I was like, you know, in 77, I bet you this was a satire. <laughs> I'm watching it as a movie now. Yeah. Like, it's not... This is not satirical to me. This is just life. I think it's still satirical because it's showing... It's showing what some people pass off as news in yes. a little bit more of a over-the-top format. Yes, I would I would agree with that, but like I don't I'd be curious if it worked as a I think it like you said it is definitely still a satire, but I was I would be curious if it worked as a better as a satire now. forty years ago. Oh, probably as a as opposed to as opposed to now where you watch it and you're like it's pretty tame as far as satires go. Yes, by 2018 standards, but that's because that's because what they're kind of. It's it's a satire and it's kind of a warning. Yes, and it doesn't work as much of a satire now because we didn't heed the warning and we've kind of fallen into it. Yes, that's exact. That's what it, that's exactly what I mean. That's yeah. that's all I'm saying. So I'm curious, like what what it would look like now, yeah. because like we missed this warning and we basically have done everything. Yeah. That we have basically done everything that this movie was like. Hey, this is the direction we're going, and we probably shouldn't. The end. Yeah. So one of the things I had found out about this movie is um, the lighting. Mm-hmm. And we talked about lighting in the last movie. The lighting was very specific in this movie that it starts off um, very kind of grainy and and I'm trying to think. Very kind of grainy and I don't want to say dim, mm-hmm. but very rough. Okay. And as the movie goes on to represent the meddling of the meddling of corporate into news and into the other aspects of the show it becomes much more glossy glossy and slick i can definitely see that i know exactly because the opening shot is the four the four tv st- news stations yeah. right and then we go into we go into the main one and it's got that hazy yeah. 70s 
where set, everyone's smoking. Where everyone's smoking, but then by the end, it's very it's very glossy. It's a lot of stage lighting, and you're not looking at it through the camera anymore. You're now yeah. you're now a member of the audience. I always confuse uh, the, the actor who plays the main news guy with, for some reason, I Peter always... Peter Finch? Yep. I always think he's... Um, a person. A person. And I'm going to figure out who that person is in a minute. Okay. Um, but he is very good in this movie. It's excellent. He is, he is excellent. Actually, the fact that it kind of swept the acting categories... Yes. It totally deserves it. I think this. I had never heard of this movie. This was a totally new one for me. You never heard of it? I'd never heard of it. Wow. Or maybe I had confused it with other. I confused it with other films about about the news or uh-huh. something like that. But um, I really, I really enjoyed this film, M- mainly because I was watching it. You know, with forty years of knowing what has happened to TV since then <laughs> yeah. and going, wow, 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 really, uh, they were so right. Yep. Good job, Sydney Lamette. Yeah. The only, the, the only bit that really felt like, like really true satire to me by the end mm-hmm. really is the, um, is what happens to Peter Finch's character. It, you know, it's good that you brought that up because I want to talk a little bit about this. Okay. So his ratings start going down. Brian Cox is who I was trying to think of. For some reason, I always think really, he's, yeah, I always think he's Brian they Cox. Really, don't look a lot alike. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so his essentially what happens is his breakdown after after he says he's going to kill himself on live TV. Mm-hmm. He's lying. He's lying in bed, and he starts hearing a voice. That's right. And it's a very it's a very like modern day Moses style at that point. Prince of Egypt style. It's yeah. my own voice. I and, get it. It's my conscience. <laughs> yeah. So he's so he thinks he's supposed to bring this message to the people, and the message is we're mad as hell, and we're not going to take it anymore because this is during the seventies. There's a recession. Mm-hmm. You have the you still have the war in Vietnam. I think at the time of the writing of this movie. I would assume at the writing because Vietnam ended in seventy five. These movies came out in seventy six. Right, so, out, so you would assume Vietnam is still on still, everybody's right. brain. So he's bringing this this populist message of there's a recession. We don't like the war. We got to do something to change it. But we can't just sit back and say nothing. We can't just sit back and disagree. We have to be active about doing this. And that's kind of the message of his of his show. That they kind of almost turn like it's still the news. And what I didn't like was, and this is where it still goes over the top today, is it's supposed to be the news program, but yet it's still like it, it reminded me of a televangelist program. Like a Billy Graham kind of yeah. thing. Um, so he, his bot, the owner of the network, Ned Beatty, doesn't like this message because he's like, we shouldn't be dependent upon foreign oil. We, sh- you know, we need to we need to figure out stuff for ourselves, and the company is in a is in a merger talks with a foil a foreign oil company. So Ned Beatty kind of brings him to the boardroom, and has a really great scene where he's kind of preaching back to him about what America actually is in his mind, mm-hmm. and kind of what it is. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Look, you got to get on board." 
So then his message changes from that to kind of a corporate shill. And his, and his ratings go down because that's not the message people want to hear. Mm-hmm. His ratings go down, but because he's kind of doing the work of, of the company, of the conglomerate, they're not going to let him off the air no matter how bad those ratings get. Mm-hmm. But Robert Duvall, who's the money man, Mia, Mia, no, Faye Dunaway, Faye Dunaway. Who, who's the programming manager, want him off. So they figure the only way to do that is to kill him. Which that's where it really like turns absurdist at that point, which I was I, I loved I mean, it. I sat there going, I could see that conversation. Me too. That's what was weird to me. That's yeah. why I say like it's a great satire, but in 2018, it's not as strong of a satire because yeah. you could just see it happening. The only thing I didn't like was when they shoot him. The studio audience doesn't move at all. Well, maybe, maybe they're just like this is the seventy studio audience. Like, yeah, we expected that. Yep, we, it was it was bound to happen. We knew it was coming. Yeah, that's, that's but, a great point. But this movie, this movie is very well acted. It's very well shot. Um, this is the same director as Twelve Angry Men. Yes, yes. Um, and I believe, not guess who's coming to dinner, right? Cine Lum. You have to look that up. Yeah, I w- I will when we get to the next movie. But yeah, this movie's done very well. And still resonate. Do I out of the two kind of like news based No, Stanley Kramer okay. wrote Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Out of the out of the two like news based movies Directed, not wrote, sorry. Do I think this one resonates more than all the president's men kind of? Hmm. Um I can see I can see what you're saying by that. There is a I think there is a kind of resonance to this movie that all the president's men is a safe movie. Yeah. If that makes sense, it's a, it's timeless in that way. Like you're watching a period piece. This is how they do it. There's, you know, the drama is the drama, the humor that for what humor there is, is pretty timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, network network is, as you said, kind of a warning. That's what satire satire kind of is. And so it feel it has a stronger message. Mm-hmm. You know, all the president's men, you can watch and be like, this is a good movie. What an interesting thing that happened. Yeah. Or you can take that and kind of, or you can run with it with the important message that it delivers. Network wants you to get the message. Yeah. So, which is why it feels a bit stronger that way. I, I liked all the president's men more than, than network. Um, okay. Because of that, because of that reason, but I, but I loved Network. Yeah, I think all the President's Men could resonate more now, specifically in this moment in time. Yes, I don't think it. I don't think it resonates all the time. Right, but I think Network would. Network probably resonates all the time. Yeah, which is sad. Yeah, which is sad. Uh, fun facts for Network. I kind of said them already, and I forgot to actually look them up, so I'll have to. I'll put some up in the Twitter when the episode comes out. I do know Sidney Lamette was very upset that this movie lost to Rocky. I'm sure a lot of people were upset that this movie lost to Rocky, but Probably I have a theory the for it, and we'll get there I when I get to Rocky. So let's go to your favorite film, Taxi Driver. 
directed by Martin Scorsese, written by Paul Schrader, starring Robert De Niro, Jodie Foster, Sybil Shepard, Peter Boyle, Albert Brooks, and Harvey Keitel. This starring is is very loose on most of those names. Starring Robert De Niro. The rest are supporting, really. <laughs> and other people. And other people. I know. When I didn't even have Harvey Keitel in my original cast write-up. Yep. And then when I was watching the movie, he popped up in the credits at the opening. And I was like, well, I have to include Harvey here if he's in the credits. <laughs> but um, this movie won nothing. Okay. It won no awards. It was nominated for Best Picture Actor, Supporting Actors for Jodie Foster, and Best Music in the Score. Now, this taxi driver, if you've never seen it, is about a man named Travis, who is a Vietnam vet. He was a Marine, and he has now become a taxi driver, and he's having problems sleeping. And so he takes the job as an overnight taxi driver because he can't sleep anyway, so he might as well work the night shift. Yeah, because if you're going to end up just crashing and falling asleep you should do it behind a vehicle exactly although that is never seems to be that never seems to be a problem he really just can't sleep yeah and he he feels like his life has no purpose now that he's back from the war and he's kind of watching the degradation or the decline of new york city around him and he feels that there has to be something something has to be done about it somewhere and he kind of eventually, very slow burn, eventually takes it unto himself to try to help somebody, really. Mm-hmm. But he does try to kind of live a normal life first. And I, I what you said interesting, uh, interestingly about network, where you talked about, um, you know, giving the people what they want and blah blah blah, or what the what the, what the people want need to hear. It's about the people, and that's because there's this whole presidential election going yeah. on and the one of the main candidates or the one that you kind of know about in the film is all about we are the people mm-hmm. right you know, so give it back to the people this is a running theme in arguably it's a running theme in all of these movies which i will then get to when i get to my big mm-hmm. my big thesis at the end a lot taxi driver is considered one of the best films of all time, which is a really hard standard to live up to because yeah. it's like, what does that mean? What is the best film? Is it is it all its components together? Is it this? Because this movie won no awards. And so, you know, is it then the best film but not recognized for any of it? Well, I mean, uh, Citizen Kane, which is and a great example of the a film. greatest American film of all time. Great example of a film that was not recognized right. for its achievements only afterwards. Right. I, I really, inter- I I really in- enjoy is a hard word for Taxi Driver because it's not say like an enjoyable film. Yep. It's hard to I wouldn't say it's hard to watch necessarily, but um, not from like a grotesque point of view. Mm-hmm. But Taxi Driver is kind of the it is almost the epitome of the pessimistic side of America in the nineteen seventies. And, you know, something must be done because then even when he finally takes takes a stand and to help Jodie Foster, you know, not be a prostitute anymore and all of this stuff, it barely ends happily. Barely. Right. 
you know, and so like the extreme pessimism of New York in the seventies like, permeates the film, the grunge and everything like this. Um, Taxi Driver to me, you could feel its influence on a lot of other films. Okay, you know how like you're like, oh, these were my influences, blah blah yeah. blah. The slow burn of Taxi Driver, and then only like kind of the big payoff in the last fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. To me, more than more than anything i was kind of thinking about all right what are some what are some movies that i could or stories that i could see where it inf- like influence from taxi driver princess i think watch uh watchman oh, okay. princess bride <laughs> um watchman i think was a taxi driver and influ- was influenced by taxi driver if you i texted to you, if you watch this movie yeah. from the perspective of like it's a rorschach prequel <laughs> it no, makes total I think sense he's, i think he's a little uh, i think he's a little worse than rorschach um, eh, well, done some pretty terrible things, but, um, but like the diary entries, the yeah. city is filth, yeah. this and this and this, like that kind of thing. Um, and then history of violence, I thought, because it was such a slow mm-hmm. kind of build to this, yeah. you know, to this crescendo, extremely violent moment. But more than anything, I, I felt unbreakable in taxi driver. More than anything, Unbreakable, the M Night Shyamalan movie. Uh huh. Okay. I, because there is such um, a resistance that Travis has to doing something, anything? doing anything, right? And then, and then it's just a a really slow crescendo up to that moment where he basically puts on his costume. Basically, mm-hmm. he puts on his army jacket. He shaves his head into a mohawk. You know, he has his like special like special guns out of the wrist and like yeah he's basically going to be a vigilante he's like you've made him into the punisher that's what this well i think he was so here here's one of the things that i i for some reason forgot because i saw this movie years ago i didn't really like it i think i was a little too young for the pace of this movie uh, definitely when i saw it this time i i enjoyed it a lot more because i didn't like it before mm-hmm but i i kind of missed so he before he goes to try and help out Jody Foster he goes to another rally where the presidential candidate mm-hmm. is and then uh, he he go he goes running away by because he's being chased by secret service he, did he try and shoot him i think he was going to right so that's what you think he's going to do mm-hmm. because he's become fixated on this candidate that's right and the the girl who who work there. who works for the candidate um, or the so, office. So there's like a real change at that point from him being a villain to him being kind of an anti-hero like the Punisher. Mm-hmm. So that being said, this movie upon second viewing for me mm-hmm. is better. You see and feel the New York that he sees and feels. Yeah. It's gross. It's, it is. It's very it's, gross. It's, it, this is it's before pre Giuliani New York. Yep. Um, it, it's very grimy. It's very filthy. There was actually a taxi cab, uh, not a taxi cab, a garbage strike at the time. So all the That's all right. the garbage mm-hmm. you see on the streets is actually real. Mm. Um, Robert De Niro does a very good job at kind of portraying this sl- this slowly unhinged person. Mm-hmm. And they never really give you the background on him. Like, you know he was in the war. You know he was in Vietnam. This is because this movie was made right after the end of Vietnam. And they we weren't at a place yet. Where you had to, to talk, like, about, talk it. about it. Talk about it that way yet. So they kind of, 
they kind of give you the references of him being in the armed services. No, well, they talk about him being a marine a good amount because, like, there's a I mean, because there's that it, like his interview with the guy running the right, taxi and that's what company. I'm saying. And, like, you they know, mention it, but not nothing to the extent of like something he, happened. Over he doesn't there. tell his war stories right. or anything. Right. I feel this movie misses like a triggering moment for him. Oh, okay. To really kind of become the person he ultimately is going to become. Because he just kind of seems to gradually slide into it. Yes, I would agree with that. But there's not, from a story point of view, there's not like a ha-ha right. moment. Right, it's just a avalanche of, of inevitability almost. I guess so. Maybe you could say his rejection by Chris, Chrissy, is that her name? Betsy. Betsy. Okay, um, you could see his, her rejection of him as that moment. Well, that's the moment you think he's going to go villain because that's when he starts buying the guns and mm-hmm. really becoming fixated on the person she's working for. That's right. That's right. You know what was the most unbelievable bit of this film to me? What's that? That Robert De Niro was twenty six in this film. Well, Jodie Foster was twelve. Yeah, but she looks twelve. Yeah, Robert De Niro does not look like <laughs> 20 he's twenty six. <laughs> That's what was crazy to me. I was like, twenty six. Yeah. Even if he's a little older than that, he does not look. He's he never has looked his age. This is true. So you said. So you say like this is kind of stands out among people as being one of the best films of all time. Mm-hmm. But I think you take away Scorsese and you take away De Niro. This movie does. Like I think their name lends credibility to this movie and lends a weight to the movie before you watch it. Maybe this is. I think now, maybe, but this is pre uh, Scorsese being huge and pre De Niro. Well, really, Scorsese was Scorsese was a known quantity at the time. He's done Mean Streets. I believe he also did Raging Bull because Robert De Niro wins for Raging Bull uh, very soon after this. Well, that means, but that means Raging Bull came out after, this right? Movie. But they would have they would have filmed it at the around the same. Raging time. Bull is nineteen eighty. Okay. So you so got I'm a couple years to one. go. Oh, yeah. But Robert De Niro is coming off of an Academy Award win for Godfather 2. Oh, this is after? Yes. Okay. In fact, he signs a deal for this movie before winning the Academy Award, and he signs it for like $35,000 or whatever, and he wins the Academy Award, and the studio that doesn't really want to make this movie... Mm-mm, you're incorrect. You are, it is, am I, oh wait, no, I'm on, never mind, I'm on Scorsese, never yeah. mind. So, uh. I was looking for Godfather 2, and I, um, I was looking for Godfather 2, and I couldn't find yeah. it. So, the studio, which really doesn't want to make this movie, they, they, they do, but they, they feel like the script is a little too brutal, so they're kind of, they're like, well, you know. Robert De Niro just won the Academy Award. He's going to come back and he's like, I'm not doing your stupid movie for for 35 grand. I want more money. Mm. And then we're going to tell him no and we're going to have to dissolve this movie. Robert De Niro's like, nope, I signed. I'm going to do the movie for the amount I we had agreed upon. And then he goes off and acts as a cab driver for several months, actually picking up fares. And he said like one person recognized him. <laughs> really? Yeah, even after winning an Academy Award. Wow. People just 
watch movies the same way. I guess you really couldn't because there was no home release. So like this is you, true. You had to go to the you theaters. had to go to the theater, which means you I, only you probably could also watch it on TV at that point. Yeah, but I mean, if you missed it, you yeah. know, you know, it just it just didn't exist at the same point anymore. So do I agree? This is one of like if you had to say like name the test like the best ten films of all time. This is not this even, is not on this is no, not this on that is not list. Even close for me, but it's an excellent film. It is a much better film than I remembered it being. And like I said, this it's very much weighted on on the performance of Robert De Niro. Even at times, I think it's a little it's a little plotty. You know, it's only a two hour movie, but this kind it of definitely feels... it definitely feels longer than two yeah. hours. What did you think of Jodie Foster? I really liked her in the in the short time that she's there. Um, she comes across as vulnerable, but she also comes across as someone who doesn't mind the work that she does Mm -hmm. and she kind of they have that kind of sort of conversation yep it's impressive acting for a 12 year old yes um although i will say i think the end would have suited the movie better if instead of betsy being in the cab where she's like oh you're a hero now let's let's start going out again yep is if it was jodie foster who ran away again Oh, like the cycle continues, right. like he didn't actually solve anything. Right. That's that's really interesting, and come back to that, because it's going to tie into my theory later. You have so many theories. It's the same theory. I just oh, need okay. to get through all these movies first. All right, so before Jodie Foster was eventually cast as Iris, there were more than 250 applicants for the role, including newcomers Carrie Fisher, Muriel Hemingway, Bo Derrick, Kim Cattrall, Rosanna Arquette, Christy McNichol, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Wow. Wow. Michelle Pfeiffer's been acting since she was a kid? Sure. Oh, cool. Everyone has. (laughs) The clash between Martin Scorsese and the MPAA executives at Columbia Pictures over the violent content of the film has gone on to legend. One of the biggest rumors is that when facing an X rating from the MPAA and having to edit the film, Scorsese stayed up all night drinking and a loaded gun in his hand, preparing to shoot the executive at Columbia the next day. After an entire night of persuasion from his friends, Scorsese decided to mute the colors in the violent climax and subsequently got his R rating. There are many variations to this legend, one saying that Scorsese was planning to take his own life. Another says that he brought the gun to Columbia Pictures and threatened the executive until the executive relented. I could see, like, we we picture Martin Scorsese now as a very talkative, like, old man, but you see him in this movie. Mm-hmm. As the cab driver who's gonna who's like I'm gonna go shoot my wife because yep. she's screwing around on me, I could see that. Like I could see Scorsese going in, <laughs> just waving the gun around. Yeah. At the same time, I don't want to believe that, so I don't know where I am on that yeah. legend. Uh, obviously, we all know John Hinckley, the person who tried to assassinate Ronald Reagan, mm-hmm. um, became infatuated with Jodie Foster after this movie. Like he stalked That's her, right? At, yeah, he stalked her at Yale, and wrote his in a letter wrote to her saying that, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill President Reagan so you notice me. Essentially, mm-hmm. uh, he was released after 34 years of being in insane in a an asylum or in a psychiatric facility. Mm-hmm. Other actors considered for the role of Travis Bickle, Jeff Bridges. Oh, that would have been interesting. Jack Nicholson. Well, he's that would have I would have believed he was unhinged at right Dustin Hoffman, Warren Beatty, mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds, Ryan O'Neill, Peter Fonda, Al Pacino again, mm. John Voight, Robert Blake, David Carradine, 
who's also in another movie. Mm-hmm. Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> I can't even get that one out. Richard Dreyfus. I can't. I no. can't see that. No. Some of them I really can't see either. Some of them would have been excellent. Roy Scheider. No. Paul Newman. Marlon Brando. Mm, unhinged. Martin Sheen. Alan Alda. That would I liked. I would have liked to have seen that. And Christopher Walken. Oh, my God. Any of those, I actually would have. Th- I would have watched any of that. Yeah. That that would have been pretty amazing. And my favorite fact about this film, Steven Spielberg visited the music recording sessions of this movie to tell composer Bernard Herrmann how much he admired his work. The prickly Herman responded, oh, yeah? Then why do you always use John Williams for your films? That's hilarious. <laughs> that is absolutely hilarious. But I, actually, I really like the the saxophone. Saxophone. The, the saxophone soundtrack of this movie. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. For the, I feel like I should tell people who don't know who Bernard Herman is. He's almost. I mean, you probably know who John Williams is. So, right. Bernard Herman was the lead singer of Herman's Hermit. Bernard Herman is responsible for some of some of the world's best soundtracks. You know, apart from apart from John Williams, you've got Taxi Driver, Psycho. Vertigo, North by Northwest, Citizen Kane, The Man Who Knew Too Much, Day the Earth Stood Still. Those are all Bernard Herrmann. He is a living legend. Wow. So he was he was kind of old at this time because mm-hmm. Citizen Kane comes out late 30s. Yep. And and he's still around at this time. Wow. Mm, Citizen Kane came out in 41. But he could have been really young yeah. in 41. But this was 30 years later. Yeah. So even if he was in his 30s, he's only in his 60s. Okay. 70s. I should say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 60s, 70s. So not that old, but that's good. I like the why do you always use John Williams? That's well, <laughs> that's a great. John well, is, because John Williams is the best. Because John Williams is great. Yeah. I respect Bernard Herrmann, but <laughs> peace. Smell yeah. ya. Sorry. If I, if I have, you know, both as an option, I'm going with John Williams all the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to our next film, Bound for Glory, directed by Hal Ashby, written by Robert Gretchel, based on the autobiography by Woody Guthrie. Cast includes David Carradine, Ronnie Cox, Melinda Dillon. This movie won Best Cinematography and Best Adapted Music for the screen. It was nominated for Best Picture, Adapted Screenplay, Costumes, and Editing. This movie tells the early life of of Woody Guthrie as he is a vagabond traveling around America being a musician mm-hmm. and a vagabond. It was certainly a movie that I watched. It took me a long time to this movie was hard to find, man. Yeah. So hard to find. So you kind of glossed over like this 6-hour movie of kung fu the legend is boring. <laughs> See, was that a David Carradine joke? Yeah. Yeah. He was good, was actually. Because I'm, I'm, there's two Carradines. There's David Carradine and there's the other Carradine. This is this is not the Legend of Kung Fu David this Carradine. Isn't? I don't think so. Aw. Well, I'm I still mean, going with it. you can check. That's eh, fine. Okay. I'm still going with it either way. So he he is a vagabond, but he becomes very involved in the unionized movement of the Great Depression. Yes. So you kind of you just... The, it's the, like, it's, the, the it's, it's the dust bowl. Yeah. 
which it, it's a it's like slightly specific. So it's like of mice and men. It's like the of mice and men yeah. or the grapes of wrath era of the depression. Right. So he. Th- th- oh, just kidding! It's the same day. David Carradine. Yes. David, I, you're you're talking about the one like Kill Bill, David Carradine, right? right? Yeah, 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 it's the yes. same one. Because I believe his brother Keith is the one who plays the father of Penny on um, Big Bang Theory. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I did not know that. Now it all makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Guthrie's kind of claim to fame is he is the creator of the song "This Land Is Your Land," not the melody. The melody is stolen from somebody else. Oh, I didn't stolen, know that. borrowed, whatever. There was no probably, copyright at that pro- time. I was going to say it's probably not. It's yeah. probably so open material. So I really like the history behind the song "This Land Is Your Land," mm-hmm. and I don't get that in this movie. I get it to a point, but yeah, because you can hear it. The song is played all the yeah. time, never once by him, but all the <laughs> but all by the, everybody else. By everybody else. So he wrote "This Land Is Your Land" as a sarcastic response to. Irvin Berlin's God Bless America. Huh. And for the time frame that he makes the song, he makes the song in 1940. Okay. And it's been, most people know the song from Peter, Paul, and Mary. Mm-hmm. This land is your right. land. This land is I don't recall if Peter, Paul, and Mary sing all the verses. There's, I think, five or six verses. And two of the verses are very political. There's two verses that talk about there's a verse that talks about being like private property and there's another verse that talks about people being lined up for hung like people lining up like hunger lines in the street. Mm-hmm. And usually those two are kind of taken out, but it was a very political song when it was created and the reason it was created. It's kind of since lost that aspect, although it's kind of again gained re- uh, resonance. Mhm. As like last year, there were a lot of people when they were out marching or protest were singing "This Land Is Your Land," hmm. and it kind of brought it back to its protest roots. That's the movie I wanted. Instead, I got a twelve-hour, more boring version of Superman Grounded. <laughs> <laughs> that was the subtitle. <laughs> that was. I'm saving that forever. So anytime you mention Superman grounded ever again, in which Superman decides to walk around America. Right. That one was good. Mm -hmm. This is a boring version. No. I think I understand why this movie won cinematography because it really captures the starkness, I guess, of the Dust Bowl. And and there are some really good, like, steady cam shots that are really new for... so the Go only ahead. fun fact that I have, and okay. it's funny that you specifically mentioned Steadicam, because this particular movie, and this is why it wins cinematography no matter what, this movie is the first film to use a long Steadicam tracking shot as operated by its inventor, Garrett Brown, and it's the scene where um, like he's he gets off of the truck That's and right. he's walking past like 900 extras. That's right. That That's the shot, mm-hmm. and... So this is like one of the first uses of of Steadicam. Yeah, and I always thought the first use of Steadicam was The Shining, but maybe that's a more specific version. Yeah, maybe that's the one, the first one to like take a corner or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, sometimes it gets confusing, but uh, that's interesting. So, so there you go. That alone wins at cinematography because yeah. people go, "Oh my god, what did they just do? How yeah. did they do that? It which, was one seamless shot." Which is weird because Steadicam shows up in. 
All the President's Men, mm-hmm. and Rocky. It's definitely in Rocky. Yeah, and we'll get to we'll get to the influence of that Steadicam shot when we get to Rocky. Oh, okay. But this movie is this movie is like a hundred and forty hours. It's kind of boring. There's a reason it gets nominated, though, and I'll go back to it later. I know, and it's essentially "Old Brother, Where Art Thou?" without any without any good parts. Okay, it's good. (laughs) All right, so let's go. Let's move on to Rocky. Um, Let's see how well do you know Rocky? Let's see, you're a Rocky fan, so let's see how well you know Rocky. Rocky was directed by John G. Irving. Nope, starts with an H. No clue. Vilson. Huh? John G. Vilson. Oh, really? H V I L D S E N. Yeah, this is one of the few that that Sylvester Stallone doesn't direct. I believe he starts directing them at Rocky Two. Does he start at two? I believe so. Right because on. then he's a known quantity. Oh yeah. Written by Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone. Stallone. Yep. Uh starring Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone, Stallone. Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers. Tally Shiar. Yep. Um I got two more on this list. Burgess Meredith. Burgess Meredith. Saying his name right this time. That's good. We Otherwise didn't. known as... As the Penguin. As the Penguin. Good. And the guy who plays Polly, whose name is escaping me right Bert now. Young. Burt Young. Yeah. Burt Young. Burt okay. Young. Good. Uh, do you know what this movie won? Uh, it won Best Picture. Good job. That's why we're here. Does it win Best Writing? Nope. No. Uh, it doesn't win any acting. Nope. It doesn't win Soundtrack. Nope. Does it win Best Original Song? Nope. Does it win anything else? Yep. It won Best Director and Best Editing. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can see this. Yeah, editing especially. Yeah. Uh, nominated Best Actor, yep. Best Actress. Two supporting actors, both Burgess Meredith and Burt Young, were nominated. Yep. Original Writing for so, the Screen, wait, Sound, so and Original Sylvester Song. Sylvester Stallone is nominated for Rocky? Mm-hmm. So... Someone, you know, one of these days, I'm wondering, is this the only time in film history somebody's been nominated for the same role in two different categories? Because he gets nominated for Best Supporting for Creed. Mm, That's a great question. Probably. I would say probably. And I mean, same person, same Same character. Same character. Not like The Godfather where you have like three people that play the same character. Right. But he's the same person. Right. Same person playing the same character, but in a now in a different category, right. nominated a different category. Both times he doesn't win. Nope, it's a shame. He I... should have won for Creed. Yeah, he was really good in Creed, wasn't yeah, he? He was. He Who was won awesome. that year? Not him. Obviously, that that's why we're having uh, this actually, conversation. Actually, was it was it somebody from Spotlight? It probably was. What year did Creed come out? The same year as Spotlight. Best supporting. Best Supporting Actor so two years ago 2016 Yeah About oh, 20 Yeah 2016 Mark Rylance won for Bridge of Spies In 2016 oh, That's why I have a grudge Against Mark Rylance <laughs> He was very good He's though. good And I like him But it should have been Sylvester Other Stallone. people nominated Christian Bale for The Big Short Tom Hardy for The Revenant Salone for Creed And Mark Ruffalo for Spotlight Which is probably what you were thinking of Yeah but no, it ended up being Rylance. So there you go. So Rocky, as I'm sure many of you know, tells the story of the Italian Stallion, the Italian Stallion, uh, who is a no-name boxer uh, who just wants to be a contender, and uh, he's given the opportunity by Apollo Creed, 
uh, who is going to fight because they need somebody to fight because his fight dropped out. Uh, they, they need somebody to fight, and it's basically like a contest or like a well, champion. Essentially, yeah. They want to they wanna still be able to sell tickets, but they don't want to put him in any sort of jeopardy. They really want to put him up against someone that he should be able to beat handily. That's right. And right. But it, it comes off as good PR because they're like allowing somebody, yeah. a, some no-name, a chance to kind of ascend and fight the best of the best. But Rocky is a southpaw, and that makes everybody nervous, and so on, and so on, and so on. And so there's also that part of Rocky, but there's also, you know, him, like, learning to love, you know, in that bit. I mean, he knows how to love. Yeah. She doesn't know how to love. Right. Yeah. She's learning. Yeah, she is. So that's Rocky, and it has an interesting... I mean, just can spoil it, because many people have seen Rocky, but it ends... Not in a way that you would expect from a traditional movie because he doesn't really win. Right. He ties. He ties, but then also doesn't really care about the outcome of the fight because he's he's more invested in Adrian mm-hmm. than he is in the fight itself. Which is a nice which is a nice thing in this movie because as the series goes on it becomes more about winning the title and keeping the title. And then years later, he did Rocky Balboa, mm-hmm. which brings it full circle to he doesn't care about the outcome of the fight. Yep. Um, this entire series is great. This mm-hmm. movie is great. Would we call all of them great? I would. Okay. I'm one of the few people who sit here and, and argue that Rocky Five is a great film because before Rocky Balboa... It takes him back to the streets of Philly. He's penniless. And it kind of takes him back to his roots. And I felt like that was a good full circle moment. Mm -hmm. And then in Rocky Balboa, you have the full circle moment of the fight. So that being said, like Burgess Meredith hands down crushes it. Why he doesn't win Best Supporting is beyond everybody's imagination. He's, He's playing a very grizzled coach. I guess... I guess they toned him down a bit. I guess he was supposed to be slightly racist. Hmm. Um, but they kind of toned it down a bit. He he does very good. While I, while I do like Sylvester Stallone in this movie, I think it's, it's good because it's a different character. And this is kind of his breakout movie. Like he's, he was in a very small movie before this. And kind of only agreed to sell the rights of the script on the fact that he was the star. Hmm. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Unfortunately, it it leads to budget problems because the studio was originally going to give them two million dollars, and they were like, "We want, we want this big name star in it," and they're like, "No, he he has to star in this film, otherwise there's no deal." And they're like, "Well, then you get a million. Oh, jeez. It's it's the reverse Kevin Smith story of when he goes to make when he goes to make like I think it's Dogma, mm-hmm. and. And Scott Moser is like, we need this much money. Like, we can't do this under this unless it's this much money. And he goes into the Weinsteins and he's like, he kind of starts lowballing them. And he's like, I want this much money to do the film. And they were like, well, we'll give you, like, they wanted $2 million, say. And they're like, well, we'll give you $3 million, which is still way under what Mosier figured this movie was going to cost. <laughs> and, and he walks out, and he's like, I asked for one number. They gave me a higher number. 
that story's on the original one night with uh oh, yeah, the evening with one. Kevin Smith. Watch that because it is a hilarious story. And like like he's like Moshe's being driven to drink and he's <laughs> I should watch that. I haven't. Watched, I've actually seen an evening with Kevin Smith in a long time. Yeah, it's so good. So Rocky is the first sports movie to win Best Picture, and it's just it's it's like the epitome of the American dream, coming out of nowhere to be given a really gift chance. Now, in this case, you kind of have to fight for it. That's still be, part of the dream. You should have to fight for yeah, it. Yeah, but but still, kind of being plucked from obscurity and put on a path that now it is up to you to succeed. There is no there is no real barriers in your way other than yourself you defeating this problem. There's no there's no barrier based on your ethnicity, on your economic status, where you live. You just have this one solitary problem to to beat, and you have your dream. I would agree with all of that, except that he doesn't really win, which then kind of diminishes the dream a bit. But I think it grounds it more in reality. Like he, he tried and he just couldn't do it. Now his life is still going to be better because now he's still going to be a household name and you get, you get the resonating of this to, I don't think there was ever supposed, I don't, think there was supposed to be a sequel. Mm-hmm. I know in the original draft he kind of retires from boxing. Mm-hmm. Um but that draft was changed over the course of time. But this is like one half of a movie. Rocky 2 which kind of picks up right after this movie is the second half because that's the one he wins in. Mm-hmm. But I think this is this still stands as a solid movie on its own and you're right. He doesn't win. So what happens what happens now but he kind of wins because he gets the girl that's a good point now what i want to say do you have fun facts about this movie before i get into yes, i do my things great in the film the poster above the ring before rocky fights apollo shows rocky wearing red shorts with that's a white stripe yes when he actually wears white shorts with a red stripe this was an actual mistake made by the props department that they could not afford to rectify so Stallone came up with the idea for a scene where Rocky points out the mistake himself. The comment about Rocky's robe being too baggy also happens the same kind of way. The robe was delivered to set and was far too baggy for Stallone, so rather than hope people wouldn't notice, the character himself simply points it out. During his audition, with Carl Weathers was sparring with Sylvester Stallone and accidentally punched him on the chin. Stallone told Weathers to calm down as it was only an audition, and Weathers said that if he was allowed to audition with a real actor, not a stand-in, he would be able to do a lot better. Director John Alvitazane smiled and told Weathers that Stallone was the real actor and the writer. Weathers looked at Stallone thoughtfully for a moment and said, well, maybe he'll get better. (laughs) Stallone immediately offered him the role. That's hilarious. Although Stallone famously wrote the first draft in the script in three days, it went through nine sizable rewrites. Originally, Stallone was it was a much darker script, which depicted Mickey as a bitter old racist, and the film ended with Rocky throwing the fight and realizing he did not want to be part of the, prof- of the professional boxing world. Hmm. I don't like that. I like how it, I don't like that. Yeah, no, that kind of that kind of throws off the movie. And the last one, prior to shooting the fight scene between Stallone and Weathers, they decided that the scenes needed to be shot in a 
in a unique way as to make the boxing more realistic than in other boxing movies of the period. Weathers, Stallone, and the director all went into the ring and began to block out the moves, but it wasn't working. And the fight was coming across as a staged as staged and not very energetic. After the choreo- after the stuntman and fight choreographer Paul Staddard and George Wilbur resigned due to creative differences, the director then told Stallone to go home and literally write out the fight. Rocky throws up left. Creed moves back. Creed throws a right. Rocky goes right. Creed jabs, etc. The next day, Stallone returned with 32 pages of specific directions for the fight, which he and Weathers learned off like a ballet over a period of a few weeks. In total, they rehearsed for over 35 hours. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And it was all edited down. <laughs> Look. Yeah. But remarkably well, remarkably so. So here is my theory about why Rocky wins, but also why all of these other movies exist. Okay. okay. And so not discounting that Rocky is a, is a good movie. Mm-hmm. You know, so let's throw that to the side because apart from Bound for Glory, they're all good movies. Yeah. You know, there's, uh, even Bound for Glory has its moments. It's just it I don't think in the level as these other ones. Like, I th- it doesn't I think, hit all the categories yeah, as I other movies Bound do. Bound for Glory, once he kind of gets his show, the movie picks up. Agreed. All right. So here is my here's my theory. It's 1977. Okay. These movies are all written in 1975, 76. Okay. So you are in the height of the energy cri- America's energy crisis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You are you're talking Gerald Ford as president coming to the end of his coming into the end of his election year as Jimmy Carter is going to ascend to the presidency. Really? Mm-hmm. Nixon resigns in 75. 72. 72. Right? No. Maybe. Well, okay. 74. 74. Resigns in 74. Okay. So so then you have – so you have Richard Nixon – so you have Richard Nixon resigning in 74 as Gerald Ford becomes president because he's vice president. Ford has three years. So the move – the. The year that these movies are essentially nominated for is is Ford's last year. That's right. It's that's right. Okay. Um, and so yeah, because Jimmy Carter gets the nomination in seventy six. Mm-hmm. So you have all of that going on. You have Vietnam. You have Vietnam just about ending. You have the Son of Sam starting his reign of terror in nineteen seventy six. Um, you have the Cold War still going. You know, threat of nuclear nuclear war always overhanging, and so is it. I mean, it's still going, but is it? It's definitely not as bad as it was during the Kennedy years. I don't think it. This I think the Vietnam was a stronger focus, which then actually still ties to Russia, though. Right. So, um, but I don't think I don't think it's not as bad. I'd say as the sixties. No, because Nixon did a good job. With Russia and kind of quelling some of that, and it's not as bad as it was in the '60s. And so, but now that he's out, we still have this. You still have this overlooming threat of okay. of nuclear war, and so you have all this stuff going on. So America is not in a good place mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. And so then you have all of these movies that reflect. America not being in a good place, right? You have all the president's men, which is about the people 
kind of becoming dis- people finding out and being disillusioned in their government mm-hmm. right after. And don't forget, so it's it's Watergate. It was right before it's the Pentagon Papers. And so right. there's already disillusionment happening between the American people and their government. Yeah. And then meanwhile, Nixon's resigning and all of this all of this nonsense. You have Network, which is about the disillusionment of people and people being angry and standing up for it and all this stuff. You have Taxi Driver, which is again more disillusionment and people taking stuff into their people taking stuff into their own hands and all of this stuff. And then Bound for Glory, which is a reminder of, hey, this is America and times are tough and everyone's pretty everyone's pretty down. Like at the beginning of Bound for Glory, he's sitting around at the gas station yeah. with all the guys and they're like, Oh, well, we probably are just gonna die and he's like, Well, you guys are fun. You know, good like talk. good talk, guys. And then and so you have all of this compounded in a in politics and in the in American in the world and that is all being reflected on screen so every single one of these movies is hitting the American conscience in some way and then you have Rocky which is still hitting the American conscience it's yet it's the American dream he's he's down on his luck he's got nowhere to go and then he's given this chance to ascend but in but he doesn't win which is which is the 70s pessimism to me because like even this guy who like is like ascending to his dream at the end. There's a little bit where it's like slipped out right from under him, where it's like it, he just doesn't quite get there. But out of all of these films, Rocky is the one that's probably the least melancholy of its ending. You know, if you could describe any of these movies in their ending, because Hey, like taxi driver, he does a thing and he, and he's, he doesn't die at the end, but he doesn't, really it's like a win but like he gets so hurt doing it it's like a one-time thing right right you know but he feels better at the end yeah he feel he feels but I, I feel better yeah well no he feels like he he almost feels like a new man because the the girl comes back into the cab and it's very obvious she's like into him now yes and he's just like whatever but he's like whatever right, right. and so but i think he had to do terrible things to get there yeah and then bound for glory is still more disillusionment. You know, like I'm going to New York. Why, why not? There are people there. Mm-hmm. And then network ends with the death of Peter Finch. And then all the president's men ends with the, the you know, the typing of Nixon resigning and all this different stuff and blah, blah, blah. But Rocky actually gives you just a little glimmer of hope, even though he doesn't quite make it. There's still that bit of hope at the end that everything's going to be okay because love in the terms of Rocky and Adrian is going to be more important than any thing that anything else that you can ascend to. Yeah. And I think ultimately that's why Rocky wins, mm-hmm. which is why if you even look at movies that movies that are nominated and win, like all the president's men won a ton of stuff network, won a ton of stuff. Rocky only won three things. Best Picture, which they're all nominated for anyway. Director, which you kind of tied to Best Picture, and then editing for the fight, yeah, and the training, and so. But the story itself hits people on such a visceral level that they're like, "This, this is the movie that wins mm-hmm. because this is this makes us feel better about what's happening out there." Because it's slight escapism, but it's also slight pessimism at the same time. Yeah, that's my theory about why Rocky wins. It's a good theory. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Good joke. I, good joke. Everybody laugh. <laughs> yeah. 
good Watchmen reference right there. All right, so um, before we before we say which of ours won Best Picture, we have our own awards to give out. Yep. So let's start with Best Actor. Oh, you're gonna start with Best Actor. Best Actor. Best Actor. Um, Peter Finch. Peter Finch for Network. Network. Yeah, he was really good. I was going to give it to Stallone, actually. Really? Yeah, I thought he was great. And I've seen Stallone when he's not great, too. You know, like, they're all movies where actors are not great. no such thing. But this is a... Rocky's a movie that I I honestly wouldn't... I honestly wouldn't care about. Right. But he made me care, and that, to me, makes it... That, that to me, makes it better. Okay. Uh, Best Actress. Faye Dunaway. You know, I'm going to give it to Faye Dunaway as well. I thought she was she was excellent. She was really she was really interesting. Almost gave it to Jodie Foster, but I didn't. Um, best supporting actor, Mer- Burgess Bar- Burgess Burgess, Burgess Meredith. Bur- almost did it again. You almost you were so close. Yeah. You were so close. Burgess Meredith, who was nominated. I'm yeah. going to give it to Jason Robard, who did win for all the President's Men, because I thought he was. Friggin' fantastic. He, yeah. Ben Bradley. Yeah. So mm-hmm. good. He was, was good. so good. Best Supporting Actress? Uh, go ahead. Jodie Foster. Yeah. 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 She was, she was pretty outstanding. Yeah. Especially since she was 12. Yep. Like, really unbelievable. Best Music? Uh, Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver. Uh, good, good choice. I'm giving it to Rocky because that theme is freaking great. Yeah. Yeah. That Rocky theme is amazing. It really is. Even if you don't like Rocky, you like that theme. You do. Yeah. Best writing. Best writing Rocky. I'm going to give it to all the president's men. Actually, lies. I'm going to give it to Network. Yeah. That's, that's my close follow up. I'm going to give it to Network. Yeah. If you're talking movies at the time, giving it to Network. And then... Uh, best cinematography. Uh, I don't know. Mm. Maybe, maybe network. Network. Give yeah. it to network. Interesting. I'm going to give it to all the president's men because watching a newsroom should be boring, but it wasn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it. It's it. But there are some that last shot of the Nixon on the TV. And then it's, I think it's Redford, and then a column, and then Dustin Hoffman. They're all in a kind of like a diagonal row going all the way down as they're working. It was so, mm, yeah, so great shot. So that is, that's a whole kit and caboodle. So best picture goes to Network. Give it to Network. Whoa, coming up with the Network. I was really expecting Rocky from you. I, I want it to be Rocky. But network hit something. Yeah, old. network just just digs deep enough that that it is it is such a good movie. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, I'm going to give mine to all the president's men because I think it digs deep in a different way. Mm-hmm. But but I think I'm giving it to basically the same reason that you're giving yeah. it to network. So well, there you have it. You can tell that the news is important to us. Apparently, I, I guess think in the in the time frame that we're living in. Yeah, it 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 is. And I just think they're like I like Rocky, but I think there are better Rockies. Oh, so that's an interesting so, that's an interesting point. Sure, 
I can see that. I liked Rocky a lot, but I honestly don't like I that's why I did my whole theory. This is why I think it won. Yeah. I honestly don't think it was the best film out of it wasn't the best film out of all of them. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. It was a great but it's it's fine, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. Uh, go us. So you can find us on Academy Rewind on Twitter and Gmail. You can also rate and review us on iTunes and find us on Spotify and Overcast and Satchel and Google Play and all the places that we can be found. You can check out all Thought Bubble Audio shows over at thoughtbubbleaudio.com. And that is, I think that's going to be it from us yes yeah. do you have anything else to say but no. you have to say it quickly because they're playing us off no i have so many more people to thank oh too bad bye, bye.